Family is quite an important topic, isn't it? I mean, family, it really is. We all have different experiences of family. It's, it's not all the same. My current experience of family is based on life with a wife. And I have two sons uh, aged 19 and 20. And right now, it's an interesting stage of life for us as Debbie and I watch over our boys' lives and as we pray over them. Um, both our boys are, uh, are young men and they, an adulthood lies before them. So I think I'm praying for them more now than I ever have. Um, I really and truly am because it's at th this is this, 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 this stage where, you know, they end teenagers, become a young adult, and, and they're exploring and looking and everything is kind of tenuous. You know, I'm like, are you in church? Where are you with God? And praying for them and, and, and encouraging them. And, and so it's, a, it's an important time. And Debbie and I pray for them. We pray that they would make wise choices with, with their lives. We pray uh, for their decisions around career and vocation. We pray that, God, that they would respond to God's calling on their lives. And, and we pray for them to meet just the right young woman who will one day complete them in marriage. We're praying for that. I don't want any kind of woman just to walk into my home. I want the right one to walk in, right? So I'm like onto that thing about like, have you got your set of criteria, you know? Because some of these women just bat their eyelash, eyelids at you. And I'm talking about males now. And I'm, please don't take any offense. But, you know, you know, and the guy's heart starts beating. And, 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 I, and I really want them to, to, to find the right person. So we're praying for that. And so as I talk about family, you know, it's, it's, if I think of my own journey, it's, it's, it's been interesting raising a family. Um, it's mostly been joy and laughter. But we've had those moments, we've had those times of tears and, and frustration. I mean, I remember when they were both born. I'm sure if those of you who are parents here this morning will, will remember the, you know, those, those moments. Uh, for me, I was just so overcome with emotion. I, I could not stop crying. You know, the, the nursing people were like, you know, all the maternity people <laughs> looking at me and I'm bawling like the baby's bawling. You know, it's, it, it was just, it was, it was moments of pure joy. In, in meeting those, those little lives. And, you know, as I, as I think back, I can see that God had determined, God had decided that Debbie and I would have two children. And, and I say that because after Jude, Debbie had to have a hysterectomy. And it's very interesting because we named our sons Adam and Jude. And Adam is in the beginning of the Bible and Jude is at the end of the Bible. You know, we couldn't name him Revelation, so Jude, we went with Jude. So... Uh, you know, it's like, it's like the beginning and the end, like Adam and Jude. You know, it's like bookends. Uh, Adam was born in the northern hemisphere. Jude was born in the southern hemisphere. So God kind of just got, had everything covered for us. And, and, you know, I also think, you know, God, God has a sense of humor. I think God had a good laugh um, at, at my introduction to fatherhood. Because I remember very clearly, this, this memory will probably never leave me. Um, one morning... Not long after my eldest son, Adam, was born, <clears throat> his, his nappy smelled really, really bad. You know, the, the, every parent who's had a baby, you know those moments when it's like, Whoa, you know, I remember it. And, uh, and, and I was on nappy duty that morning. So I had to take Adam up to the room and, and put him on the changing table and, and um, 
clean him up, you know, put a fresh nappy, a fresh diaper on him. And so I'm busy removing this dirty one. I'm cleaning up his little bottom, you know, with all the pampas stuff. And it's just like, <laughs> have you ever done this? It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, is this parenting, you know? Why? Oh, put it, oh, yeah, just, just, and I'm busy doing this. Anyway, so I get the dirty nappy off. And um, I get a fresh diaper out and, and I'm about to put it on. And, and I'm doing what any uh, love-struck new father does, right? I'm, 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 you start to talk baby, don't you? You know, I, I don't know if, if, you, if that's your experience, but certainly for me, it's like, kind of stuff, you know? So I'm leaning over this changing table and I'm speaking gobbledygook to my son. And he decides it's time for a wee. And so my mouth is open. I'm just, I'm centimeters away. Centimeters from the exit point of this gusher of a wee. And guess where it goes? Right into my mouth. I'm like, Whoa, and I'm like, I've just had the experience of a dirty nappy and now I've got this stuff going in my throat and I'm, there's a vase with flowers. I grab it. I'm trying to catch this stream coming out and I'm, and I'm half choking on what's gone down my throat. That was a learning moment for a new dad. And, and I'm telling you, heaven had a laugh. Heaven had a laugh. And so I've learned a lot as a parent um, and, and, and that was kind of my introduction to, to family. Now, during this series, um, you're going to filter what you hear through your own personal uh, experiences, both past experiences and, and present. And I know when we talk about family, you know, it's a topic that can, for many people, it can stir up sometimes painful memories and maybe even painful realities. You know, we, we've got a bunch of folk in our church community and some are single and wish they were married. Others are married and wish they were single. You've got to go back and listen to the last three week sermons. Um, some couples want children, you know, and, and, and desperately, and they can't have them. And some are single parents, and day in and day out, that's, that's, that's really tough. Um, some of us have experienced uh, broken relationships with family members. Some have been through kind of unthinkable betrayal and, and even abuse and hurt in family settings. Some have experienced sickness and, and, and loss. And so the idea of family can conjure up a lot of difficulty. And just as Chi said a little while ago that, you know, this is a very busy time of year. I can't even, you know, this year has just been like a flash. It's gone by so quickly. And, 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 and in some families, maybe some families in this church right now, your life is so busy and it's just flashing by and you're not actually having that time to really invest in your family and spend time, quality time with your family. And you know, so often people go through life and they land up grieving that their family experience is not what they had hoped for. It's not what they had dreamt about. Now, it's impossible to cover every family scenario in a, in a single message and, and even in the next two talks. So I want to ask you to do something similar to what I asked you to do during the marriage uh, series. I want you to track with me. Even if the content doesn't apply to you directly in your current stage of life, just, just track with me because what we're going to do is we're going to learn together how we can be better families. And we're all connected to family in some way. So there's going to be learning for all of us in this. Um, we're not going to learn from my experience. We're going to learn from the authority of the Scriptures. 
Great. Okay, so we're going to dive into a word of prayer. But um, before I pray, I just want to say that uh, it is, Linz and, and um, Glenn reminded us this morning, they were the last two people with, with Joe. It's been a year already, you know. And uh, I, I'm not somebody who believes that we should pray to the dead. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. But I do believe we can pray for the dead. And the reason why I say we can pray for the dead is because they're not dead. They're alive. They're with Christ. And what we can pray is that God would draw them closer to him. Because I believe that that's what heaven is about. It's a place of discovery. It's a place of opening up your eyes and your understanding. And so as I pray, I'm just going to pray for Joe this morning. So Heavenly Father, we're in this church gathering today. And we lost a brother a year ago. But we know that he's with you. And our prayer for him, Lord, this morning is that you would draw him closer to you. Draw him into a greater revelation of you. We just want to thank you for that this morning. And Lord, as we come to talk about family, I just pray, God, that you would use the words, the encouragement, the scriptures to speak to each one of us. Every one of us in some way is connected to or part of a family. And so, Lord, I just pray that this would be a real stirring in our hearts and in our spirits to do things your way, to do family your way. And so, God, I just pray that you would anoint the words that are spoken and, Lord, that you would open hearts to penetrate where you want to penetrate this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I want to I uh, begin by asking you to think about the, the first ever family in, in recorded history. Anybody know who they were? Good Christians? Oh, yeah, we go back to the garden, right? Adam and Eve. The Adam and Eve. Um, and so what we find in the garden is, is Adam and Eve, a husband and a wife who adored each other. But then because of a sin, they started to blame each other. And, and that argument put a wedge between them. And not only between them, but it put a wedge between them and God. And what we read in the book of Genesis is that they uh, had children. And down the line, their, their firstborn child was a son. His name was Cain. Then their secondborn, also a son, Abel, end up getting into such a big fight that one of them kills the other. That is how families began. Now, I, I grew up with two younger brothers in, in a home, um, and we had some significant rumbles little arguments and tussles and fights and a few fists flew during our adolescent years. But it never escalated to the point where we wanted to take the life of another. And so when we start out in the Bible, we find this family and, and there's just this enormous dysfunction. And so we can say, well, what's going on over here? And, and you see, what we see in that family is, is, the, is the consequence of sin. It's the consequence of the fall. But the idea of family is built into God's story. It's built into God's story. The Trinity experienced such joy, such fulfillment in, in, in the community that they experienced that there was this desire to create children. There was this desire to create others to experience this joy. And that's why the scriptures tell us that we are made in their image and according to their likeness. Right? So we've been invited into this family. You know, when a man and a woman get married, usually 
um, they desire to have children because of the joy in their relationship. You know, when there's that kind of joy and that kind of rhythm in marriage, you probably want to invite other people into it. And so what you do is you create new little human beings, you know, little people who reflect the best parts of each of you. And you invite them into the story of your family. Now, I don't know how many of you have read through the Bible, but I've read it through and I've been reading it for many, many years. But I've not found too many um, kind of really very good detailed parenting examples. Um, and, and so I'm thankful that God's raised up Christian men and women and they've written books about families because I think their books, some of them are probably better than what you're going to find in here. I think if you go to Kurong and you, or you get you know, online and you get some you know, these, these uh, books that have been written by Christians on the subject of family, there's, there's lots of really good parenting advice, lots of really good family coaching. And so it's, it's, it's really good stuff. But what we do find in the Bible are these really big kind of sweeping statements. You know, like Proverbs 22 verse 6. This is a famous parenting verse. Any of you ever read or heard this verse? Yeah. The scripture says, train children to live the right way. And when they're old, they will not stray from it. Raise your child up in the way of God. Train them to live in that right way. And, and the scripture says, when they're old, they won't stray from it. Now, I read a verse like that and I go, that's a great verse. That's such a nice verse, isn't it? But it doesn't give you a whole lot of help when you're trying to decide what a reasonable time is for your teenager to be home at night. This verse is not really helpful when it comes to deciding whether the online computer games that your kid is playing are healthy or wholesome or life-giving. Uh, I mean, what happens when, when your children do stray, when, when, they, when they depart from the way that they should go? What do you do then? Well, this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to a passage that's not often used to teach on the subject of family, but I think it's a great passage because it's, it, it's really useful and helpful. So we're going to look at four verses this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to go from 14, 15, 16, 17, and I'm going to start with verse 17. 2 Timothy 3, verse 17. So the Apostle Paul is writing here to Timothy but we're just going to take the words of Scripture and say, this is what's applicable to me, right? This is what's applicable to my life. So the Bible tells us that using the Scriptures, let me start again. Using the Scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable. All right, let me just get that here. Using the Scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable. Having all that is needed to do every good work. Did you get that? Using the scriptures, the person who serves God is going to be capable because they're going to have everything that they need from here to do every good work. Now, I'm sure as Christ-following parents here this morning, we want to join with God. I'm sure that everybody here this morning wants to join with God in what God is trying to do in the lives of His people, don't we? Right? That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We don't say to God, God, you come and do what I want you to do over here. No, what we do is we say, Holy Spirit, where are you working? God, where are you working? And how do you want me to be involved in what you're doing? That's, that should be our prayer. God, how do you want me to be involved? Where can I serve your purposes in another's life? 
What are you doing, God, that you want me to engage with? Because God's going to use us on this earth. Too often when we come and we pray to God, we say, God, I need you to do this. I need you to touch Glenn's life, Lord, because this guy, you've got to do something in his life. And we want to take God, I need you over here. And meantime, what God's saying is, no, no, Andrew, I don't, and when, I'm not busy with Glenn right now. I'm busy with Debbie. And I want you to be here for her because she's your wife and she needs you. So stop worrying about everybody else and worry about your wife. And she says, amen. <laughs> so that's what, that's what our prayer should be. We should be saying, God, where are you working and how can I do, where, what do you want me to do in what you're doing? So if, if that, as parents, if we take that on board, then the first place that we're going to join in the work of God is going to be in the lives of our children. It's going to be in the lives of our children. If we're going to take Proverbs 22, verse 6, seriously, and, and, and we've just read here in 2 Timothy uh, that it's the Scriptures that are going to make us capable, well then, the goal of parenting is to equip our children, isn't it? If, if, we're, going to, if we're going to trust that verse and say, I'm going to train them up in your way, Lord, so they don't depart from it in old age, then I'm going to have to get this into my own heart and mind so that I can begin to equip my children. Are you with me? Am, is it, am, I, am I making sense? Is it clear? Okay. So parents need to prepare and equip their children for good works. What do, what do I mean by good works? Well, you want to raise your children up so that they're going to contribute to this world in a good way. That they're going to pos- contribute to society in a positive way. That they're going to work and live in a way that brings honor to God. So one of the th- big things that you want to be doing in raising your children is to be teaching them how to withstand the pressure and the tension of all the kinds of conditions that come along in this journey of life. Christian parenting is about the forging of Christian character in in your children's lives. It's forging that kind of character, helping them in their journey of life. It's the shaping and forming of their character. And, you know, character is primarily passed through demonstration. Demonstration. My, my mother would always say that character is not taught, it's caught. It's not taught, it's caught. Let's go to verse 14. The Bible says you should continue following the teachings that you've learned because you know that they are true and you trust those who taught you. Now, if you're a parent, your life is on display, isn't it? It's on display. When I, when I was growing up, I tell you what, I watched my parents every day. Day in and day out, I was looking at them. I was catching stuff from them because I was looking at them through the good times and the difficult times. And one thing that I remember about my parents it was something that they stopped to do every single day. Every single day, my parents would take out time to do devotions, to have a quiet time, just to spend some time reading the Bible, spend some time praying. They would do that every single day. And I saw that, and I watched that. I wasn't told to do it. It was being demonstrated. So I caught it. And now it's something that I do every day. And I can tell you this, I'm a better person because I do that. I'm a better person for it. And so my parents took character forging very, very seriously. They, they used many experiences uh, to demonstrate to us, to teach us. To, uh, um, and, and that built endurance. It built perseverance and tenacity into 
our young, impressionable little lives. I mean, I don't know if parents do this today, but I mean, I remember even I, we, there were four siblings in, in our household. And, um, you know, when, we, when you feel sick, we so often try to pull the, kind of, I don't feel so well today. I don't want to go to school. I, can't go. I don't want to go to church this morning. I don't. My parents would say the same thing to us every single time. Come on, get up, get ready. You'll feel better in a little while. Let's get going. I hated that answer. I hated it. I mean, it was only if we were like deathly pale and shivering and shaking, you know, on the verge of death that they'd let us stay at home. But, you know, just, just something like that, what it's done for me in my life is it, it built tenacity into my life. And, and now I find that if I wake up in the morning and I'm not feeling like 100%, I still get up and get going with, I've got to, with the things I've got to do. I get going with work. I get up and I come to church. I go to a meeting or whatever it is. Because my parents instilled that character in me. And Debbie and I have tried to do the same in the lives of our children. Because parents are critical to, to preparing the character of their children for the journey of life. And you know, the most important thing that Christian parents can do is help their children understand that life is not just a series of random arbitrary acts. The most important thing that any parent can do is teach their children that they are part of a bigger story. That they are part of God's story. A story of conflict, a story of victory, a story of love and rescue and reconciliation. That's the most important thing that any Christian parent can do, is raise their children to understand, to catch that, that there's something bigger, there's a bigger story going on. Let's look at what it says in verse 15 and 16. It says, since you were a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. And that wisdom leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's go over that again. Since you were a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. And that wisdom leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults, and for teaching how to live right. Folk, this morning, I cannot overemphasize the importance of the presence of Scripture in your home. Not just for moral or social or, or, or th some kind of theological foundation, but because the Bible provides the context for life. It provides the context for life. This gives us the story that we are all part of. You know, it's so sad, and this is why I'm praying for my son's like my prayer life has gone up for them now because I've seen this throughout the years. Young people, when they finish school and, and they leave home or, or they start studying or they go to work, so many of them land up abandoning the church. Church is not such an important thing in their lives. And the sad thing is that many of those youngsters land up abandoning their commitment to Christ. They walk away from Him. And I think part of the reason for that is because they don't understand the story that they're part of. Have you, have you ever wondered why 
Um, we're doing the Bible course at the moment, and I think somebody commented about the genealogies, you know, not understanding all the genealogies. Was it you, Lance? I can't remember. Anyway, I'm going to tell you today. <laughs> well, you know, why, why do we find all those genealogies in the Bible? You, know, you, you read through them, and they can go on for pages and pages. You know, why, why are they there? You know, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah, and Judah was the father of Perez. You know? And we find all of these genealogies in the Scripture because they help us understand the context of the story. They help us understand how the story links together. And the Bible gives us the story. So Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and Perez, those are stories of generations serving God and generations ignoring God. You know, many years ago, my parents heard about what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. And, and my parents became followers of Jesus. I can't thank God enough for that. And they brought me and my brothers and my sister up in a, in a home that, that honored and loved God. And Debbie and I have tried to do the same with our boys. Raise them in a home that honors and loves God. You see, if you're a Christian, you belong to a prolific, compelling, and transcendent story of God's people. And so we must have the scriptures in our home because this provides the context for the story that we are a part of. And when this is alive and real and used and spoken about and spoken of and prayed in your home, it'll make you live differently. It'll make you live differently. Amen. I read a story um, about an American family who, uh, uh, this is a couple of years ago, they, they had a, a daughter, 14, 15 years old, um, and they were struggling with her. She was going through this rebellious period. She was wearing kind of like um, black clothing and, you know, this white makeup on her face and stuff, like um, the whole gothic thing, the goths. Have you ever come across any of Coffin kids, I think, is what they, was the name that they used when I was growing up. And anyway, this, this young girl started getting into the wrong crowd, and uh, her parents suspected that she was taking drugs and stuff. And uh, she was dating a boy who couldn't even speak properly, couldn't hold a conversation. You know, the parents would try and engage, and he'd just give like a one-word grunt or answer. You know, the kid would just play video games all day long. And so this girl's father was just beside himself because he, he didn't know what to do with his daughter. And so he went to his pastor, and he said to his pastor, he said, what should I do? And the pastor said to him, he said, it sounds like your daughter is more compelled by the story of dating this particular guy than she is by the story of your family and the story of your life. What a thing to say. Your daughter's more compelled by that story than she is by the story of your family and your life. That hit that dad so hard. He said it just whacked him. And so he began to pray. He began to really seek God. And he began to say, like, God, what am I going to do? How am I going to do? What we, what? And he began to do some research. And he found out about a, a, a town in Mexico. And there was an orphanage in this town, that, and, and it needed repairs. And it was twenty-five dollars or $30,000 that they needed to repair this orphanage. So this father said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my family involved in this. And so he sits his whole family down, and he says, God wants us to repair an orphanage in Mexico. And his wife looked at him and his kids looked at him and thought, 
you've lost it, mate. They thought he was, they, you thought, they thought he was crazy. Because it's going to take like, where do, we, where, where do we find 25, 30 grand just to go and, we, we don't even know anything about this. But the father looks at this family and he says, if we don't do this, then these orphans are not going to have a place to live. And so he says, we've got to do this. And after a while, the family saw that this, this, this um, dad of theirs was not going to give up. He was serious about doing this. And one day his daughter comes to him and, and he says, she says to him, she says, Dad, you know, I could probably use my Instagram and Facebook you know, pages to maybe generate a little bit more interest around this. You know, maybe we could do a GoFundMe page or something. And so she starts talking to her dad a little bit more about the ideas that she has to kind of leverage the things that she engages with to try and do something for this orphanage. And so the family began to sit down together. And the family began to pray together and they began to brainstorm about what they could do. And they brought God in. This dad brings God into the picture and, 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 and the brothers and sisters said, maybe we should go to Mexico. Maybe we've got to go see this orphanage to see what we're going to do. And so this family really started to catch a vision for this whole thing. And a couple of weeks later, the daughter was talking to her dad and she comes and she says, Dad, um, I just want you to know, I'm not seeing that guy anymore. Um, um, uh, that guy I was dating, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing him. And the dad's like, you know, he's like, <laughs> let me just remain cool. He's like, so what happened to cause it to come to an end? You know, he's, he doesn't want to let her know just how joyful he is. <laughs> and his daughter says to him, ah, oh, he's a loser, dad. He's a loser. He, he just plays video games all day long. And we're trying to save kids in Mexico. The father brought a more compelling story to his family. And as a family, they decided to live for something that really mattered. They decided to live for a more compelling story. It makes me cry. In verse 15 of 2 Timothy 3, the scripture says that it's this, the word of God, it's this holy scripture that's going to give you the wisdom that will lead to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That father sought God for wisdom. He sought God for wisdom and it brought salvation to his family and most importantly for him, to his daughter. And every day, Debbie and I pray that our sons would come to know Jesus in a deeper way, a more meaningful way. I look at my sons and I say, God, I don't want them to have a shallow understanding of who you are. I want them to mature in you. I don't want them to have some flexy, silly idea of Christianity. I want those roots to go deep, God. That's my prayer. That's Debbie's prayer for our sons. And so I pray that they would care about what Jesus cares about. I pray that they would grow to love the church. I have to try and get that balance right as a dad now because they're young men. And I have to say, guys, church is important. But they're on that edge. And I don't want to force them because I don't want to, I don't want to make them flee. But I want them to understand that this, this transcendent community counts and it matters. Because this is the body of Christ. This is the vehicle of Christ on earth. These are the redeemed. 
Not those out there who are far away. These are the redeemed. And my prayer is that they would understand that, that they would come and be part of this community. There's no such thing as a Christian out there, a lone ranger Christian. We're Christians together in the body of Christ, in the family of God. And that's my prayer for them. And it makes me cry. Because I want them to love the church. I want them one day to get married and raise children in the church. And I pray that Debbie and I have been instrumental in providing them with a more compelling story to life than just some mundane existence. Our prayers have been that God will help us forge Christian character in them. And folk, you know, it's really, really, really important that we pray for our children. My parents still pray for me today. My, my mother is in her late 70s, my father in his early 80s, and I know that they pray for us. Or they tell us, we're praying for you. They pray for Debbie, they pray for me, they pray for our children. And Debbie's mother does the same. She prays for us. And I say, what a joy to have parents who are still praying for us. And you know, many of us here this morning are children today. And, and, and whether you're still living with your parents or, or if you're not, I want to encourage you to pray for your parents. Pray for them. There's so many stories of parents who've come to know Christ, parents who've got baptized, parents who are living for God because it started with the prayers of a son or a daughter. So pray for your parents. Pray for them. But really what I want to emphasize this morning is the importance of praying for your children. Praying that that character of Christ would be formed in them. It's so, so, so important, especially in this day and age. You know, there's so many Teenagers and, and, and young adults and even older adults in this world who, who wrestle with, with serious issues, um, mental illness, depression, suicidal thoughts. This generation of youngsters today are, are being raised in an environment where they're being shoved this gender nonsense down their throats and, and, and their young impressionable minds don't know what to make of it. And so they're beginning to question their God-given gender, their God-given identity. And I want to tell you that, that all of the sources of pain, if you begin to track it back, that so many of these people have experienced, the overwhelming number one issue is because of pain connected to family. It goes back to family. And we've all heard of the horrendous stories of kids talking about sexual abuse and, and parents who've abandoned their children and, 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 and mothers looking at their children and saying, I wish you'd never been born. I wish I'd had an abortion. Godly parenting is so, so, so important. As parents, we have the power to hurt our children. But let me tell you, as parents, we also have enormous power to heal our children. And the same goes for us as sons and daughters this morning. We have enormous power to hurt or to heal our parents. I'm older now, and I look back to some of the things that I did as a kid, and I go, Andrew, what? Somebody should have slapped you to yesterday or to tomorrow. Because there were times that I know my parents did not know what to do with me. I look back on how I must have wounded their hearts. But they stuck at it. They prayed. They sought God. They continued to model that for my life. We're all somebody's son or daughter. Some parents are no longer with us, but those who have parents that are still living, you know, we have the opportunity to make things better. And I'm so grateful. I'm blessed, really, that I can share my life with my parents and speak 
in a more mature way now about the things of God and really have in-depth discussions. It's such a blessing for me. And so I just want to say to you this morning, it doesn't matter you know, if you're a child or if you're a, a young adult or if you're a grandparent. Every single family member can make a difference in improving your family. Every one of you can make a difference in improving your family, whether you're young or whether you're old, whether your family is healthy or, or, uh, you know, and things are going great or whether it's your family is a dysfunctional mess and you don't know where to start. Every member can make a difference in improving the family. It could be a small act of love, a small initiative. Those things can begin to spark changes in your family. And so this morning, as we begin this, I just want to challenge everyone. I want, to, I want all of us to be challenged. Because maybe God's going to use the next couple of Sundays to whisper something to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you in some way. Maybe God's going to give you an idea of something that you can do to improve the dynamics in your family, to improve what's going on in your homes or in your extended family. And so this morning, if, 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 if you, like me, want God to forge Christ-like character in your own life and in, in those lives of you, those who are part of your family, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, God, I want a, f- a fresh wind of your spirit to blow through my family, If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, God, there are members in my family who are not saved, and I'm not too sure about their eternal destiny. And God, I'm I'm concerned about that. If if you're one of those people this morning and saying, God, I don't have a compelling story going on in my family, and my children are everywhere, and and Father, I need something from you to bring a compelling vision to this family. If that's you this morning at the start of this series, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close in prayer this morning because I'm trusting God to do something amongst us as a community this morning. You don't have to, but if you're here this morning and you're saying, God, I, I want Christ-like character in me and my family. I want change. I want a fresh wind of your spirit to blow. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close this morning. Let's just close our eyes and maybe if you're comfortable enough, I'm going to ask you to just, to just to set out your hands just in front of you like this. And just in a receptive way. Just like to say, God, I'm ready to receive from you this morning. And I just want you to focus on him this morning. And, just, and, and, and maybe silently, as I pray, you can pray. And you can say, God, these are, these are things that are going on. I, I don't know what's going on behind your front door, but I know God does. And so if you're wanting God to do something fresh and something new, I want you to I want you to have an expectation in your heart this morning. Lord Jesus, I just want to come and bring you this church this morning. What a wonderful group of people, God, who you love so much. And Lord, we don't always know the details. Sometimes, Lord, I get shocked because I think families are doing okay and then something happens and I go, what on earth caused that? People sitting in the community, the household of faith, and and it goes wrong like that. And so, Father, maybe some of us this morning are standing before you because we need help. We need help in our families. Maybe this morning, Lord, there are some people here who are saying, God, I'm in a state of hopelessness because of the relationships in this family. But God, this morning, I pray that where there is hopelessness, that you would replace that with hope. That this morning, Lord, people would say, I know there are better days ahead. And I pray, God, that maybe if there's something that needs to be sparked in families this morning, that that would happen. 
God, we invite you, you in, we invite you in, we invite your presence into our homes. We invite your presence into our relationships and into our lives. Because God, we need you. I pray, God, that you would breathe a freshness upon families this morning. I pray, God, that you would empower families this morning. That, Lord, in our families, in an increasing measure, there would be people more just kind of looking to you and bringing honor and glory to you. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would bless the families of this church. Bless the families of this church, God, so that we can turn that around. Just as Chi encouraged us this morning, that we can turn that around to praise. That we can turn that around to praise. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.